We live in a world of a million voices screaming for our attention. People will tell you what to think, where to go, who to listen to, even what to believe. With so many voices in our world today, don't you think it's God's turn? During God's turn, you'll hear practical truths from God's Word for our lives today. Dr. Daniel Stevens, the senior pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana, presents powerful truths from God's Word for your life. In a world of a million voices, it's time to let God speak. Join us today for God's turn. If you would, take your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, in the first couple chapters, we've been introduced to Jesus. We have seen the beginning of his uh, earthly ministry, and we, we've seen how he's come to Jerusalem, and he entered into the temple. Over the next several chapters, we're going to see Jesus interacting with several different people, and he's going to interact one-on-one -on -one with these people. In John chapter 3, we'll see him interact with Nicodemus, who is a Jew, in chapter 4, he will interact with a Samaritan woman and then a, a government official. And then in chapter 5, we will see Jesus and the lame man. Now, these people all come from a different walks of life, and they're all different, different people. But the thing that they have in common is how they respond to the Lord Jesus. What we must understand is that God cares for each of us individually. And as he interacts with these people over these several chapters, you'll see his love and care for them. And you'll see that he gets directly to the heart of the matter, to the need in their life. Each person here today must be born again. We must be regenerated by faith in Jesus Christ, because without Christ, we are in our sin and we are spiritually dead. We need spiritual life that only comes through Jesus Christ. Here in John chapter 3, we're going to find what some call the greatest conversation in history. I want you to remember the setting with me. Jesus came to Jerusalem, and he goes to the temple, and he, he finds in the temple there were those that were really making a mockery of worship. They were cheating those that came to worship um, of, their, of their money, and he winds up running them out of the temple. When he's questioned about his authority, he gives them a, a sneak peek at what is going to happen concerning his death and ultimately his, his resurrection. He's going to begin to do miracles, and he'll gather crowds around him, and people begin to flock to them. Many began to follow him because of these miracles that he did, but the Bible tells us in chapter 2 that, that they did not believe. They simply wanted something. It reminds me of the, a scene in the movie Incredibles. Most of us, if you've had kids, you've probably seen that, that movie. The, the story is there are these superheroes led by Mr. Incredible himself. And I thought about wearing the incredible suit today, but I couldn't fill it out, all right? And, um, and it, they get in trouble with the law, and so they're destined to be just ordinary people. And Bob, who is Mr. Incredible, 
is, is really bored in life. And he comes home one day from his, his boring life and he gets out of his car and there's a little kid there on a tricycle. And he looks at the little kid in frustration and he says, what, what do you want? And the little kid looks at him and says, I don't know, maybe to see something amazing. And that's kind of what the people were like with Jesus in that day. They, they followed him because they simply wanted to see something amazing. You know, many people have the same mindset today. They, they want Jesus, they want the church when they can do something for them, when they can, they can give them something, but they, they don't truly believe. And the Bible tells us that Jesus knew their hearts, and the truth is he knows ours as well. And as he comes to chapter number three, there is a contrast between these people and a man by the name of Nicodemus. You see, they wanted something. They wanted to see something spectacular. But Nicodemus knew. He knew in his heart there was something different. There was something different about this man named Jesus. Look with me, chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus. We find Jesus and we find Nicodemus. And Nicodemus knew, knew that something was different about Jesus than, than all the other teachers and all the other rabbis that he ever, he ever knew. And so the Bible says he comes to Nicodemus. There's three things I want us to see from this passage today that I think are very important to help us understand this, this passage and the teaching that God is going to give, not only in these first five verses, but really over the next several chapters in the Gospel of John. Number one, I want you to see the person, the person of Nicodemus. Who was, who was this guy? Well, we see, first of all, that he was a religious Man, He was a man that knew the scriptures. Down in verse number 10, Jesus is going to question him and say, listen, aren't you a, aren't you a teacher yourself? Aren't you an expert in the law and you don't understand what I am trying to tell you? You see, he worshiped God in his way. That seems to be what's happening in our world today. Many people want to worship God in their way instead of his way. So many people are trying to get to God through the concept of religion instead of through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nicodemus was a, a religious person. He also, the Bible tells us, was a Pharisee here in, for, in verse number one. And so he was well-educated. Jesus, I mentioned at verse number 10, he calls him a, a teacher. Aren't you a teacher? Aren't you somebody that, that knew the scriptures? And he was a man because he was a Pharisee. He was committed to the Jewish law. The, the Pharisees stressed strict obedience to the Jewish law. After all, for them, the, this work and keeping the law was their way to earn salvation. They were also a powerful group of people in the nation of Israel. These people, not only were they religious and, and they were very powerful, but they, they hated Christ and, and they hated Christianity. And, and you'll see that all throughout all the New Testament. We'll also understand that he was a wealthy elite of his day. Later on in the Gospel of John, he will bring spices to anoint Jesus' body that only a rich person could afford. Rabbinical history states that Nicodemus was one of the three richest in Jerusalem at the time. He, he had prestige, he had power, he had position, he had great wealth in his day. 
He also was a ruler. He was a member of the Sanhedrin as one of these Pharisees. The Sanhedrin would be 70 individuals, 70 leaders that would make the laws. They would be what we would consider our legislative branches all rolled into one as they governed the, the nation. So he was a man of, of great influence. He would be a man of great position and power in his day. As you look at the life of Nicodemus, he was probably the best representative of the world. If there was anybody that could earn their way to heaven, if anybody had it all together, if anybody had the right power, the right position, the right understanding, the right background and upbringing, the right teaching, it was Nicodemus. Here was a man that had it all, but Jesus is going to tell him, you're lost and on your way to hell. You must be born again. This is the guy that most people wanted to be. And he was still lost in his sin. None of this did anything for him. We, we live in a culture in America where, and it's a, it's a great country. And we have great opportunities. And we live in this, this mindset where we, we set ourselves up and rank and, and position and, and pedestal. And, and we think that we're something that we're not. And I'm not talking about our position at our job or how much wealth that we have. I'm, I'm not talking about what popularity that we have in society. I'm talking about we think that we're something that we're not. We think because we're American, we're Christian. We think because we have a good life, we must be okay with God. We think because we have material blessings that God must love us and, and care for us and, and God must be taking care of us, so we must be okay. And, and the truth is God does love us, even in the midst of our sin. But because we live in the culture that we live in, we oftentimes think that we're something that we're not. You, listen, your position doesn't equal your salvation. Your power doesn't equal your salvation. Your bank account doesn't equal your salvation. Your relationships and your friendships and your heritage, it doesn't, think, it doesn't make you a believer in Jesus Christ. It doesn't make you saved. We oftentimes put an emphasis in this life on, on the wrong things. We, we love the things that the world loves we, we want the things that the world wants. We want to act like the world. We want to Im imitate the world. We want to have these things. And we think that, okay, because we have this status in life, because we have this status in life, we're okay. And, and, and what we're finding out is we, we, that we, we think that we're something that we're not. No position, no power, Nothing that we've learned, our education background, our heritage, is going to have our sins forgiven. And, and I think this is why God uses Nicodemus as an illustration to us. Here was a man that from all outside, all external viewpoints was a man that, I mean, this guy, th this guy must be right with God. And yet as he comes to Jesus, he learns that he's not. And so number two, not only do we see the, the person of Nicodemus, but now we see the, pro, the problem. Look here what it says. The same came to Jesus by night, in verse two, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, 
Or truly, truly, understand this. I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And notice Nicodemus' response in verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus knew that, that there was something missing. Something was different about Jesus and something was wrong. He was living according to, to man's religion as, as a Pharisee. And he knew that this Jesus that he had met and that he had seen it was different than anyone else that he had ever met. Now, the Bible says he came to him by night, and there's a lot of, um, you know, guesswork that goes into why did he come by night. Many believe it was to avoid being seen because he was ashamed um, or knew that the other Pharisees were antagonistic to Jesus, and he didn't want them to see him with Jesus. Maybe he was busy during the day and, and didn't want his schedule to, to keep him from spending time with Jesus and really wanted to be with him. Also, maybe it was because all these other people were around Jesus during the day, and they were flocking to him, and Jesus was able to get away from them, um, and so the crowds were gone. Whatever reason it was, he came to Jesus by night. And Jesus lays it out for him. And, and we see very clearly in the scripture, he did not understand. He did not understand salvation. He didn't even understand what Jesus was trying to tell him. Listen, the problem was he was dead spiritually. He was dead spiritually. He was, you know, he called Jesus rabbi. And so he recognized him as a teacher. He, he, but a, and a teacher sent from God. But notice he doesn't address him as Messiah or Lord, or, or Savior. He still did not understand who Jesus was. Now, he would be considered a great man, even in his own right, Nicodemus, but he was lost in his sin. And his sin meant that he was spiritually dead. He did all this religious work, but he did not have a relationship with God. And this was what Jesus was trying to get him to understand. You must be born again. You must be what we call regenerated, made alive through spiritual birth. And this is still the problem that men face today. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, and we are all spiritually dead. And we all have the same problem that Nicodemus has. And we all have the same issue that I believe Nicodemus had here in this passage. Jesus lays it out and says, listen, you must be born again. Well, what does that mean? I mean, really, it doesn't make any sense, does it? How am I going to go back to my mother's womb and be born once again? It doesn't make any sense. And this is what people do in our world today. Well, it doesn't make sense to that whole trusting Jesus thing. This whole salvation and putting my faith in Christ and repenting of my sin, that really doesn't make any sense. It can't be that easy. And we want to question, we want to question God. And so Jesus repeats to Nicodemus, Listen, you must be born again. Unless you are born of the Spirit, unless you are made alive spiritually, you are lost and dead in your trespasses and sins, and you will never be in the presence of God. You will never see heaven as your home. You will die and be separated from him for all eternity. And, but the world says people come to church all the time. I, I, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't agree with it. Listen, it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. 
This is the truth of the word of God. This is God's plan. It's our problem, but it's God's plan. And so that brings us to point number three, the plan that Christ lays out. Nicodemus' problem was that he was lost. He was dead spiritually. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's your problem as well. You're dead in your sins. But the plan is laid out for us here. And so I think part of the plan he wants him to understand is that man is unable to save himself. Nicodemus was a religious man. So he says, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Listen, Nick. Maybe he called him Nick. Listen, Nick. (laughs) You think you're a good man. You've done all this religious work. I mean, you think that you're doing it, and you're doing it with zeal. I can picture Nicodemus being a lot like Paul. Paul says, listen, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was zealous in my persecution of the church. I was doing it all for the cause of the kingdom of God. But I was blind in my sin. Nicodemus, listen, you think you're something that you're not. Listen, get over your own understanding because unless a man be born again, it's not of works lest any man should boast. No one is good enough to get into heaven. And all of your activities, your so-called good works, are not sufficient to get you into heaven. And so what does Jesus say to him? You must be born again. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus tells us that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Remember, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, how can we have righteousness that is greater than a man like Nicodemus? I mean, how can our righteousness be greater than than the Pharisees, than, than the scribes, than the religious leaders of our day? And Jesus is telling us, here's the plan. In order to receive righteousness that is greater than the Pharisees, you must be born again. You must be made spiritually alive. So we must stop trusting in our own righteousness and receive Christ as our Savior. And then we receive his righteousness. Because, my friend, there's only one righteousness greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees. There's only one righteousness that is, that is good enough to get us into heaven and to, to help us to have a relationship with God. And that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about when we accept Christ as our Savior and we're born again, the righteousness of Christ is imputed. I love that word, imputed to us. And so when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, now that I stand before God, it's not my righteousness because I don't have righteousness. I have righteousness from an earthly perspective. I have good works from maybe your mindset and my mindset and from the mindset of the world. But from God's perspective, I've broken his law. And when I've sinned against him and I've broken one commandment, I'm guilty of it all. I'm unrighteous. When I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and and I'm what the Bible calls born again, Christ's righteousness is imputed to me. And his righteousness is the only righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. It is only the righteousness of Christ that works when we stand before God. Christ came to this world And he died on the cross 
And he rose again. In just a few weeks, we'll celebrate that. And unfortunately, many people in our society will go to church and they'll celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if they died today, they would go to hell because they don't understand. They're not following God's plan. What is God's plan? You must be born again. Christ rose from the grave and offers his free gift of salvation. And this is why John has written this book. In John chapter 20, those key verses that we talked about those first few weeks, he gave us this book so that we might believe. He he wants us to see these things that we might believe. He wants us to see these things and understand who Jesus is, that we might be born again, that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might have a relationship with God, that we might have spiritual life. No matter how great you might be here today, you have the same problem that Nicodemus had. We're born into this world sinners. We have physical life, but spiritually we're dead. But God sent his son to die in our place. He died for your sin. He died for your sin. We see that he died for Nicodemus' sin. We'll see in the coming weeks he died for the Samaritan woman. He, he died for the nobleman and his son. He, he died for the lame man. And, and he, he died for all. Because all have sinned. And because we've sinned, we're spiritually dead. And we must be born again. Many times, people have tried to teach me things in life, and I struggle to get it. Maybe you've dealt with me in that way. Like, it's not that hard, all right? It's not that hard. Like, and you have to show me over and over again. Unfortunately, people have been in church They've watched services on television. They've read things about the gospel over and over. And, and, and it's right there before them. And yet they, they, they disregard it. Jesus says to, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus questioned, how, how does this work? And Jesus says, you must be born again. Nicodemus, understand, you must be born again In verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're made alive spiritually. We're we're born again. We're born again. We have the spirit of God that dwells within us. We have Christ's righteousness in our lives. As we look at this man... We see this wonderful conversation that took place that day that has lived on throughout history because it's a great illustration to us today. And it'll be a great illustration tomorrow and to the next generations if the Lord tarries. There's no way that we can get to heaven. No matter how great we are or no matter how terrible we are, we're all sinners before God. But God sent his son to die in our place. And when we turn from our sin and by faith receive that gift of salvation, it's Christ's righteousness. 
This is what Christ wanted Nicodemus to understand that day. Nicodemus, you can't do it on your own. Listen, you you can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it. You can't earn your way to heaven. Being a part of this group or that group, it's not going to work. Because you're a ruler in Israel, it it doesn't matter. Because you you know the scriptures mentally, you know them, but but you don't understand them. My friend, maybe you've been in church your whole life, and you know what the Bible says. You've heard the gospel, but you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. It's not enough just to know it. But we have to put our faith in Christ and receive that gift of salvation. Many people know the gospel. Each week as I'm out in the community and talking with people, I find people all the time. They, they know what to say. They know what, what to say. This week as we were on vacation and, and I, I met a man and, and soon he asked me what I did for a living and I love when people ask me that question because it just opens up the conversation. And I said I was a pastor in Indiana. And, and it just, and all of a sudden, it's like he's a Christian. I mean, he's, he's a Christian. His language was foul and, you know, and uh, I mean, things he was talking about were inappropriate. And, and, but as soon as that, he asked that question, it's like, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to this church and, and all this stuff and everything like that. And he gets offended when I say going to that church doesn't make you a Christian. See, a lot of people go to church. A lot of people play the Christian game. There's a lot of Pharisees, just like Nicodemus, that, that sit in churches just like this. They, they, they know the scriptures. They understand that God is going to send a Savior. And, and many even believe, know that Jesus is the Savior, but they haven't truly believed in him. They're like the people in chapter 2. I wonder, are you like the people in chapter 2? You show up to see the show, sing the good songs, feel good about yourself that you're around people that are singing that love God. Make yourself feel good that you did some religious activity. You're just there hoping if, if I go to church and if I give enough and if, I, if I'm there enough, then maybe God will bless me and, and take care of my family. I'm just here for what I get out of it from a material, from a humanistic standpoint. Listen, my friend, you can go to church every day of your life and die in your sin. Because what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? It's not because you're a Pharisee. It's not because you're a religious ruler. It's not because you do religious activity. You must be born again. How are we born again? By accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. How are we given spiritual life? By receiving the gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. Listen, it is Christ and Christ alone. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I hope today will be that day in your life. Let's stand together. Are you looking for a church to celebrate Easter? We'd love to have you come join us at Grace. We know you'll be blessed by the music and powerful preaching as we celebrate our resurrected Savior. We have our sunrise service at 8 a.m., our morning Sunday school at 9.30, and our morning worship at 10.30. We'd love to see you join us as we celebrate the resurrection. Thank you for joining us for God's Turn and the preaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana. 
We would love to hear how this ministry has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or help you in any other way, email us at grace at gracetoanderson.com. If you would like to help us continue the ministry of God's Turn, you can give by sending your gift to Grace Baptist Church, Care of God's Turn. Address is 432 West 300 North, Anderson, Indiana, with a zip code of 46012. You can also text to give by texting the amount you would like to give and the letters TV to 765-326-4747. Thank you for tuning in and supporting this ministry. Thanks again for watching. We hope you'll join us next week for another time of God's Turn.